Good afternoon, I'm John Ewing with Spirit Lake Wellness, and I'm here to introduce Dave Nelson, who is going to speak about the seven pitfalls of mindfulness. Uh, Dave, can you take it from here? Oh, sure, sure. Um, you know, mindfulness uh, meditation it has become a real big uh, buzzword, catchword in the field of psychotherapy, especially in terms of working with um, chronic pain, anxiety, I mean, any malady that comes up. Um, we're seeing mindfulness as being uh, attached to this as a therapeutic mode. And um, unfortunately, it's, it's not always being used in a proper fashion. Um, it's, again, it's another one of those buzzwords that people start throwing around, but they're really not practicing mindfulness. Um, they're, they're involved in other um, oh, uh, mindsets of really what we call getfulness. They're still trying to get a benefit, which is normal. We all want to get relief from pain, relief from anxiety, relief from depression. But if that's your goal of practicing mindfulness, it won't help you. Um, it's um, mindfulness does not work, nor the, nor the, neither does it work. Mindfulness is simply being aware and present. And so um, it's really important to what we call keeping our practice of mindfulness as pure as possible. And there are seven sort of pitfalls you want to be aware of while you're practicing mindfulness uh, in your daily life. And uh, again, the first one, really the major pitfall that many of us um, get into, as I mentioned earlier, is mind is the getfulness. We uh, we're trying to get a benefit, and this is like uh, having um, uh, your eyes in, in two different places. You know, mindfulness is simply about being present here and now, experiencing what you're experiencing. It's a very it's a it's a non-judgmental awareness. And if your mindset is one of I'm going to get something, you're already judging. Am I getting this? Yes or no? You're no longer being mindful of this moment in a non-judgmental manner. One of the, the analogies that I tend to use is is with the football player. Uh, I say a halfback is going out of the running out of the backfield to go down for a pass, and the quarterback throws the football. And just before the football gets to the to the running back's hands, he turns his head upfield, and usually they miss the ball because his mind is in two places. He can't catch the ball and run at the same time, you know, score the touchdown at the same time. He has to keep his eye on the ball and then run. And many times people are practicing mindfulness, they're, they're trying to be mindful, but yet still trying to get that relief, get that touchdown. And then when they don't get it, they say this stuff doesn't work. And so they quit because they're not getting anything. And so it's really important for people to be aware that actually the benefits are here. Our pure natural state of, of, of just being present is the gift. And all these benefits you're looking for actually exist. But you have to wait for um, the, the maladies or the discomfort to simply begin to fade away, to see how it's, it's, it's an illusionary state. So that's one of the first big ones. And once you can get past, I'm going to get something from this, it makes your practice much easier. Okay. So although uh, people can expect an improved sense of inner, inner peace and uh, decreased sense of conflict, decreased anxiety, mm -hmm. irritability, having that as a goal mm -hmm. is not productive. Is not productive. No, you, that's, you're splitting your mind. I see. So if you're trying to uh, 
achieve some inner happiness, some relief from anger or anxiety, mm -hmm. then your mind is not on mindfulness. Right, you're not being present in this moment. Um, the relief from anxiety or, again, any malady comes from paying attention to the plate you're washing, to the walking of the dog, to the, you know, the cleaning a window, to writing a report, being mindful of that moment without expecting anything, just being present. So would it be fair to say that we have a window to the world of sensation and perception and the ripples go off into the distance uh, into perception and memory and mm -hmm. sometimes the mind tends to wander off into oh. this uh, non-existent future or no longer existent past? Yep, exactly. We're either, we're either like you said, we're, we're judging the past and we're prejudging the future. We're not present. So if you keep your mind's eye on the window of mm -hmm. sensation mm -hmm. without traveling far into the realm of perception, how do you achieve mindfulness? You don't achieve mindfulness. You simply be present. <laughs> well, it's sort of a, words are very difficult and very confusing when we discuss mindfulness. So that's why Zen, the practice of Zen is mindfulness is, can seem very um, funny and they have these silly words and riddles because basically many times um, they are designed to make the mind go, huh? And that's where you want to be, <laughs> huh? In, in some ways. Um, but one, that's one of the things, one of the pitfalls, again, is, is thinking that you're actually there's some place to go. That, that, that thinking that, that there is a, a place of relief, that there's a place that all things will be fine. It's important just to be present of where, thing, where you are at. And, and then moving into the, uh, the, that everything is okay, as it is. When, one of the things I always work when I work with students or therapy, um, uh, clients is to under, help them be aware that we're never trapped by circumstances. We're trapped by our preferences. And when you can see through your preferences and see how your preferences, your choices, your likes, your dislikes are really causing you your suffering. It changes things. It opens up that window of being present, non-judgmentally. Because as soon as you prefer relief over discomfort, you suffer. Mindfulness is just going to wake you up to that and, and to let you be able to be, I'm okay regardless of where I'm at. So I guess you can be aware of your desires and preferences without participating in them? Yes. So you just accept them as part of the present. That's exactly right. You accept them, you acknowledge them as if it, as the weather is on the outside. These are your internal weather patterns. You know, sensations, feelings, your preferences, these are all just things going through you. So sometimes our desires will sort of swim up to us and open a big window of all the movies and mm -hmm. and sometimes we'll find ourselves getting tense and ready to uh, fight or ready to pursue some kind of opportunity mm -hmm. and we develop this inner tension which leads mm -hmm. to sensations mm -hmm. and so what you're saying is that you can't make that sort of TV go away but you can 
let it be a little distant. Exactly. It's sort of being aware when you're watching a movie. If it's, say if it's a really horrible, scary scene, you just, oh, it's a movie. You know, it's important for us to be able to know that we're actually just watching a movie and we can walk out of the movie theater. So sometimes these images that come to the mind present themselves as real, as reality. Yes. As genuine threat and mm -hmm. genuine conflict. And mm -hmm. you're saying that they're just movies? Yep. In many ways, they're just movies. Um, because they're, they're coming from the internal. They're just arising. And if you can learn to pay attention to them as non-judgmentally as possible, maintaining a presence of mind through formal meditative process and a variety of things throughout the day, but a formal meditative process um, really helps you. Because that's where um, people, a pit, another pitfall of, of, of mindful practice is lack of daily effort. It's important to really set up a, uh, a, a daily routine that's almost very ritualistic. You want to make this as important as, as brushing your teeth. Many people would never go throughout the day without you know, brushing their teeth at least you know, twice a day, maybe you know, three times a day. Well, we need to brush the brain too. And so it's very important to learn to sit and just watch. Have a focal point of either the, bre the breath you know, in, in your center of your body um, and, and learn to just be present and not move and allow all sensations, all feelings, all the inner tensions arise and just watch them. Watch the movie, but do not move. Pay attention. And you'll learn to see how the movie's always playing. It comes, it goes. If you sit out, let's say if one of the movies is your, your knee really starts to ache, if you just watch that knee, after a while the pain disappears, it flows away. And it does not, and it may or may not return. So that's one of the, the major pitfalls is, is basically you know, a lack of daily effort. Consistency helps create the habit. And, and um, if we get into the neuroimaging and, and whatnot, it really begins to change the neural networks in your brain and stimulates the you know, positive reward centers. So mindfulness becomes, you know, um, just through its natural effort of everydayness, brings about changes in your in your ability to be aware and how you feel and you develop develop a sense of control because you're learning to focus on what you're really controlling in that moment of just sitting and watching your breathing so how long um how many uh how long do you sit and how uh many how, how many sessions before you start to see uh changes and benefit well, that's sort of individualistic. Um, I usually recommend for people, you know, just, if, just to at least start off with five minutes a day of formal sitting and at least five days a week. And just to get people started. Because many times people, if I tell them to do it every day, they miss a day, they, they go into all or nothing thinking and uh, I'm done. Um, and then be able to eventually move up to 20 to 30 minutes a day. And it becomes a real... Um, I say a positive addiction, but it becomes a very positive habit over time. And if you miss it, if it's like if you haven't brushed your teeth for a couple of days, you feel icky. <laughs> and so you feel the same way. It's like, boy, there's something missing here. You find out that, that stress, anxieties, all these movies that are going through our head really start to feel more real. 
they start to really attach themselves to us, almost like we're there, like it's like we're a piece of Velcro. And uh, mindfulness really allows us to be more like Teflon. We allow to watch the movies. Oh, that's an interesting movie. That's an interesting pain perception. That's an interesting, you know, thought about the future. Oh, there's my grocery list for the day. But you're always returning back to your breath and your posture. And so you're making a very formal um, process of being present, sitting aware. This um, actually, as you stabilize the body for a period of time, and you just allow things to come and go, your, your mind, your spirit, begins to settle into the structure of the body. As you maintain a, a formal set, good structure for the body, the mind conforms to that eventually. And so then you start to feel better, more in control, because you're not being pulled by this thought or that feeling or that pain or that goal. So do you recommend um, uh, that someone start this in the morning, the middle of the day, the end of the day? Well, for some people, I try to make it as easy as possible whenever they can. But I usually I try to recommend them in the morning to start your day, to get a period of groundedness. It's a period of just, just being present and knowing what that feels like. Then you have, as you go out throughout the day, you have something to compare your current life and you, you start to actually, throughout the day, return back to that, that state. Um, and it takes, takes practice. Um, out of my personal life, one of the things that I've struggled with over the years is um, driving. I have a long commute. I drive an hour every day and I'm on the interstate. And um, traffic just would just irritate the living bejesus out of me. You know, and I had to really refrain myself from using sign language, and um, so I turned it into a mindfulness practice of non-judgmental awareness of I call it now surfing with semis, and I just oh just just here's where I'm at, and being aware of the judgments, being aware of the the frustrations, um, the the comments that go through my head, but simply stay focused on my road where I'm at. And that, that's really important because then I realized that there's really no place that I'm going. <laughs> Traveling on the road, um, and like two hours every day, r makes me realize that that we're not. I'm not really not going anywhere, uh, and it's a hard concept to grasp. But simply being present, there's really no place we're going. We're just being here. I may be traveling in a vehicle, but I'm not really going anywhere. I, I'm being here in this moment, traveling with the variety of cars. And especially as tourist season hits in the Wisconsin Dells area, you know, the car volume really increases. So there's more surfing is involved. And uh, so it's learning to be present, very, very present. And reminding myself, there's, if I'm trying to get to where I want to be in a hurry, I'm, I'm judging the future, that that's more important than where I'm at right now. And where I'm at right now is more important because I have to pay attention to that semi who just cut me off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's some real practical value to this. Um, and part of learning this too, and I referred to this a little bit earlier, is that one of the pitfalls is a, is a lack of faith in the process. You have to have a faith in this process. In fact, my, my Buddhist name, my, my Dharma name, is uh, Shinzen, which means faith Zen, trust Zen. And to simply trust that everything is okay as it is. And um, being present with that. Because many times, you know, 
from anxiety or stress, we're always wanting a better future. We're always trying to prejudging. If I can get over here on the other side of that fence, it's greener. The grass is greener, and that's that's a that's a falsehood. Just being here is fine, whether it's comfortable or not. And mindfulness helps wake you up to that. And I'm not saying though, too, if you're not in pain, you don't go take care of it. Right. Or you know these kinds of things. If there's high degrees of anxiety, you don't you don't manage it. Mindfulness allows you to see what you need to actually do. Okay. And mindfulness is very important. Uh, I've, been, I've been a martial artist for, well, i got 47 years now. And mindfulness allows us to be able to really see and be aware of our opponent and to know what to do. I'm not looking at the opponent through the eyes of my fear or what I prefer. I'm looking at the opponent raw and direct. And what do I need to do to take action? To defend myself because if I'm looking through my fear well <laughs> I'm gonna get hurt because I'm not focused on him I'm focused on my fear right and so it's very important to pay attention to this reality of, of where we're at right now and as we move forward to you know we talk about individual practice it's very important to have support there's another pitfall of people who begin a mindful practice is, the, is, is they're not um, surrounding themselves with like-minded people. It's important to, to join a group or to have at least another person or two people to actually sit with you, or at least once a week to go to a group. If you can't do that, well, every other week. But to sit with a group of people, because the, um, the mindful experience is very strong in a group. And it keeps your progress... Um, I shouldn't say progress because really we're not going anywhere, but it keeps your practice more pure, more stable. And so um, it, it'll help you identify when you're maybe going off the road a little bit and working with other people. And so that, that lack of support um, can be another pitfall. Because many people will get into the, the, one of the other pitfalls is, I know this, I know that. When they start talking about mind, this is one of the things I have to be careful of when people start talking about mindfulness, they go, oh yeah, I know that. And I don't. Now I'm not really hearing and listening to them. I'm hearing my own voice. I know that. I'm already judging. I'm not listening pure and direct. And so, you know, uh, being in a group helps you become aware of that I know that as well. Okay? Because you, you, the people become a, a reflection of you. Yeah. You know. That, oh, look at me, meditate, I'm doing it right, mm -hmm. um, I hope I look good, wait, my nose itches, um, Yeah. Uh, should not scratch it, that would be embarrassing. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, yeah, all those kinds of things. It's, uh, it's there's a lot of things that can derail you from um, your mindful practice, but all of these derailings, these, pit, these pitfalls are really just road signs to help you stay on track and to help you um, be here. Uh, there's a saying in Zen we call it, you know, being nobody going nowhere. And it's just, we're just, that means we're nobody. We're just, not nobody in terms of a low self-esteem nobody, but a nobody in terms of the, this very self that we, we talk about uh, as ourself. Because I didn't put that as one of the pitfalls, but the very self that we identify with is sort of an illusor, is a, is an illusory kind of a thing. We're sort of like, um, there is no, um, little person inside my head. Just like we know like on a radio, there's no person inside the radio. There's really no person inside of us either. That sense of self is really a, a stream of consciousness. And there's really no stable 
it as just a continuous stream as part of the whole process. And so being aware of that, and, um, and it just streams back to the, the getfulness. Who is it that's trying to get anything? You know, who is it that is really here? And that really brings us back to that whole mindful practice of those who, people who really want to deepen their practice is to explore the who am I? And, and, um, and where am I going? And you begin to realize, wow, I really am nobody. I'm really not going anywhere. And to be able to get to that place is like, oh, <laughs> I can't say this is it, but this is part of it. And it's really fun. As soon as you say this is it, that's not it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's one of those goofy kind of things. Um, but practice itself is the most important thing. And really getting down to practice. And keeping your practice pure with understanding that you're, you're not going anywhere. That, that there's, again, there's no place to go. Just be here. You know, uh, have faith in the process that everything is okay right here, right now. Um, as we move forward, maintain good good support, and um, and just keep diligent at it day in day out. Now I've gone times when I have not been diligent in my practice, and so I really begin to feel it, and so I return to it. And um, it's really important. I know when I was starting young and uh, when I was studying uh, formally uh, with my Zen teacher. They really stressed the importance of the sangha or the group of, of, of uh, practitioners, and, I, and I'm sort of a loner kind of a guy, and because um, I like to think I know that, <laughs> as one of the, that's one of the pitfalls. But I, over the years, I really understand the value of having like sitting with like-minded people, and people who um, just want to get together and practice being here. Um, so these are just some of the, the, the road signs or the pitfalls that we can have on our practice. It, it makes it sort of impure. And so, but, but it's not like um, that you're doing it wrong. Uh, it's just sort of a road sign to say, oh, you know, I, I gotta get back on track here, be present. And um, um, that's pretty much about it. Help, they really help the pitfalls, really help wake you up. Okay. So let's review the seven pitfalls, mm -hmm. and then um, uh, let's uh, uh, go through this one more time just to make sure that we have the essence of, of what we need to keep mm -hmm. it pure. And so these pitfalls are sort of like road signs that uh, tell us, wait a minute, maybe you could do this better. Yes. And so uh, we'll go through the list. Uh, the first one is getfulness. Mm-hmm. Then there's a lack of support. Mm -hmm. There's a lack of daily effort. Mm -hmm. There's thinking that you're going somewhere. Mm -hmm. Thinking that there is somewhere to go. And then there's a lack of faith. And then I know that. Mm -hmm. So let's take this first one, getfulness. Mm -hmm. The mind, it's almost as if we're full of ideas and the ideas do their best to dress up in ways that will attract our attention and draw us into their movie and convince us that this particular way of thinking about something is real. Mm -hmm. And so by getfulness, you're saying, no, don't try to do any of that or try to achieve a particular state. Just 
let the movies be what they are. Correct. Right. There is the state of mind you have right now is the proper state of mind. So I yeah. I am as I should be. Yep, just as you are right now. And that's okay. And but if you're trying to change your state of mind, many you know, you're 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 in the practice of getfulness. That's the basic craving that uh, desire that uh, Buddha talked about. That's the root of our suffering. Is that eternal pursuit? That's exactly right. Of something other than what we have. Right. Awakening isn't a a part of of climbing mountaintops to get an experience. It's simply about walking in the mud-filled ditches of daily life. It's just about being present right here. And then the second one you mentioned is a lack of support. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of uh, materialistic messages that are broadcast to us from TV commercials and advertisements and assumptions about how we're supposed to be mm-hmm. portrayed in various figures in the media and this sense of of who we are, say, as humans, as Americans, as uh, uh, people in a particular state or city and or a company or a role in a company and who we're supposed to be. And... It's easy, I think, to get drawn into that. Mm-hmm. Well, we have the Lone Ranger mentality. You know, the rugged individual is uh, is a high cultural value in America, and um, it's it's important. It's okay to have support in what you're doing, and uh, to to understand that everybody is a reflection of who you are. So, how can you be sure that the people that you're with are supportive and not just uh, um, maybe not quite right for you. All you can do is give it a try, you know, and listen to your guts. You know, if um, the leader of the group is, you know, a little bit narcissistic, then you, you know, or, yeah, you know, walk away. But if they're very engaging, very um, um, loving, um, uh, non-judgmental, accepting, yeah, definitely take a look at that. Okay, so a non-judgmental, accepting mm-hmm. uh, type of uh, environment yep. that will help support your mindfulness practice mm-hmm. is Correct. valuable. Yep. And then the third pitfall you mentioned is a lack of daily effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important to just practice every day. And I mean, with a formal practice of, of, of sitting down to do a meditation, and there's a variety of um, on-the-go mindfulnesses that you can do through exercises you could do throughout the day to bring you back into this moment. And it's always about simply returning to here and now, but it's, again, it's that effort that is the good fortune. And then the fourth one you mentioned is thinking that you are going somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's really thinking that there's a you going somewhere, and there's this, this you is 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 sort of like a flip chart of pictures, sort of like film on a movie. You know, you got different clips, and it's always just moving. There's really no you. So the it's an illusion. So when we start thinking about the you that we think we are, mm-hmm. what we encounter then is just another movie. Exactly. Just another movie. It's just another movie. Mm -hmm. And the idea that by 
doing this mindfulness, we're going to get somewhere or be somebody mm -hmm. doesn't nope. doesn't work. Doesn't work. And that's why many people will quit because they're trying to boost their ego, their sense of ego, their yeah. sense of structure. Yeah, I'm, I'm more wiser than you or mm -hmm. something to that effect. Yeah, you're going to have spiritual materialism too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can get some of the the meditators who get you know the I am more you know like uh, you know the well I mean I have a set of robes and it's called thing all, all the rakasu and you know it's gonna be really cool. You know? Yeah. You can get trapped up like yeah I'm, yeah, I'm somebody. Yeah. You know? and it's like no, it's just really like woo. <laughs> so catching yourself in the act of playing a character in some movie mm -hmm. in your head. Yeah, that's right. That's why we're good teachers will recognize that. And uh, help you get through that, and that's where the coming back to a, lot, a good a good support system. You have a, a reflection of a teacher who's who understands these and and walk you through that when he or she recognizes that. And then this uh, fifth one, thinking that there is somewhere to go, that might be hard for some people with a Western mindset where we must be doing something for some purpose. Right, we're very goal oriented, and there's nothing wrong with having goals. Um, but it's, it's, uh, uh, we really entrap ourselves. We limit our range of vision when we, we, we set goals. So it's as if we say when we want to achieve something, we deprive ourselves of being here. Yeah, and seeing other opportunities that, that exist for ourselves. We get wrapped up in that this, um, you know, if I only can earn enough money to buy that car, I'm, I've made it. I'm going somewhere when I have that car. I've made it. And um, and maybe the person achieves that goal. Now what? <laughs> they, they, they have the a first new... scratch. <laughs> they, yeah. The first they, scratch is so you know, painful. And there's a saying we have, uh, one of the, one of the, the uh, uh, sutras that we recite about is that, that goals are unlimited. They're limitless. As soon as you achieve one, another one shows up. You know, as soon as you get your bachelor's degree, well, you gotta get your master's. And as soon as you get your master's, you get your doctorate. As soon as you get your doctorate, not you know, where do you end? There's this never-ending drive, and to be able to recognize that and to use it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a drive, but to recognize that that uh, we're really not going anywhere. That there's just being present with where we're at why we're doing what we're doing. It's hard to explain in words. I'm not always the, the best at adept at saying that, but um, there's no place, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And as soon as you achieve one goal, a new one will replace it. And once you learn to see how that works and operates in your life, it's really freeing um, from having to chase after goals. That if I can only get this, if I only get that. And um, you're no longer mindful. You're you're still practicing getfulness. I see. So then, the sixth pitfall mm -hmm. uh, is difficult, I think, for uh, some of our uh, uh, modern, scientifically oriented uh, Westerners. Mm -hmm. uh, lack of faith, and then in parentheses, all is okay. Yep. It's it's important to understand that everything. Well, not to sound glib, but everything is as it is. And um, just having faith that that's okay. That this, this, this present moment is fine and pure and complete just as it is. And um, if you have a dislike for it, 
then it becomes you're, you're, it takes you away from mindfulness. It's a you become a preference. You have a judgment. You're no longer here. You know, there's no longer that that centeredness. And it's one of the difficult. You know, having a, a my name being of faith and trust is something that it's really. And you're right. So it is a rough struggle. What does this really, really mean? And but simply it's for myself, it's just simply being faithful here in this moment that things are fine. Things are okay. Whether they're comfortable or not is irrelevant. Things are fine and complete and whole. And you, and it's important as you practice your mindfulness, as you practice deeper you know, meditation, um, you really begin to get a, a feel for that. And that's one way I can describe it. It's more of a feeling. And faith sort of naturally arises like because you begin to see it. It's, it's like, oh, yeah, things are flowing all together. Even on my commute, when, I, when I've been driving and I'll watch traffic, um, uh, we, you get into the, what's called that flow, uh, or Japanese called mushin, uh, no mind, uh, where time slows down. Everything seems to slow down. And I get this while I'm driving sometimes. It's like everything slows down and it's so peaceful. And everything is okay. <laughs> and that's the only best way I can describe it, you know. And it's, but I can't chase after that experience. You chase after that, you'll never get it. But sometimes it reveals itself to me as I'm as I'm practicing. Is there joy in that? Yeah, there's a sense of joy in that. There's a sense of real for myself. I, I just like of of connection of an absence of. of I mean, I'm aware, but there's an absence of that self. So somehow letting go of the illusions and what you're trying to get, immersing yourself in the present moment and being part of the flow mm -hmm. is where the joy is yep. it, now, that you have to let go of in order to have. Yeah. It's pretty good. That's not very Western. <laughs> no, it's not at all. <laughs> it's not very, not at all. And it, it's, it's, it is quite a um, challenge. But um, uh, many professional athletes will understand it. Getting into the, the flow. flow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Where you're no longer thinking about the mechanics of your uh, move or your race mm -hmm. or the play. Mm -hmm. You're simply executing uh, what you know how to do. Yep, musicians are the same way. The music takes over. They're, you know, the music is playing them. You know, and even the martial arts, uh, for myself, it's like the art is doing me. I'm not doing the art. The art has taken over. And the self that we consider the self is, has disappeared. And it's simply a part of the whole play. It's part of the whole dance. So there's a certain amount of repetition required to mm -hmm. develop that that routine to the point that it becomes flow yep daily effort and um, so yeah um, mm -hmm. and then so the diligence mm -hmm. and then keeping the practice pure what if impure thoughts come up that's a judgment thoughts are thoughts um, it's because practice becomes impure if um, it's just taking you off the road. You're trying to be getful. Uh, pure practice is simply being present. So there is no road. Nope. 
but you can fall off of the road with these pitfalls. Right. But there's no road, there's nobody falling off. And <laughs> everything is as it is. Mm -hmm. um, and having judgments about it mm -hmm. is a pitfall. Yeah, and it's, just, and it's okay to, sometimes judgments will arise, and that's just part of the scenery. Um, there's a part of us, you know, we all have that watcher side of ourselves. We can observe what we are doing, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, and that's the part, from my own, for where I sit, is, is the part that gets stronger, is, is the identification of, of being the watcher, being the sky that watches the clouds pass by. There's an old saying that the sky is not bothered by the passing clouds. And the clouds are thoughts, feelings, sense, perceptions, memories, judgments. And the sky just watches. And the clouds come and go. But the sky is the sky. And so as we practice mindfulness, you learn to be more and more of the sky. You, you learn to see that you are the sky. And um, it's helpful. So... If you become the observer and say you're with a group of your friends mm -hmm. and you're uh, observing uh, as if from a distance, then how do you get caught up in that flow and be with your friends? I'm not sure if I understand the question. Um, it seems to me that, yes, we've got that observer part. Mm -hmm. Can that observer part grow to the point where it takes you out of life? And Oh, no, no. The, the observer part is life. The observer part is, is not a disengagement from, from reality. It's allowing you to engage in reality on an intimate level um, without getting caught up. Okay. So then it enables you to not get drawn into uh, the movies of despair and angst and oh. anger. It allows you to enjoy the movie. Okay. Without really, without, without really any harm. Without, uh, you, you recognize the movie. Okay. You know, and so you can really enjoy it. I see. And um, if you, you know, if you're not aware you're watching the movie, then it's very painful. I see. So, the construction of reality that we experience is a movie mm -hmm. that we can enjoy and we can enjoy it more if we're aware that it's a movie and not reality yes it's much more fun and it's more playful <laughs> <laughs> then you can start just i mean it is just much more fun that is pretty abstract though mm -hmm. compared to our uh, Western ideals of mm -hmm. uh, getting the right kind of deodorant and oh, then yeah. having people like you mm -hmm. and uh, having friends and mm -hmm. and attention. And there's nothing wrong with again having structure. You know, um, that's why I like about uh, it's important to have a structured life mm -hmm. uh, because it helps structure the mind better and it helps you pay attention and that helps f you find the freedom within that structure. Then you again this realizing, oh, I'm in a movie. <laughs> you know, I'm part of the movie, and, and, and we can start to play with it. And for some people, like for myself too, I've, I, I, um, I would tell myself, uh, rather than try to not go after a passion, I pursue it like hell until I burn out. Mm -hmm. 
until I'm so totally exhausted I can't go anymore and just burn it out and then it fades in intensity to become just another movie just another movie you know and it's then I just see what comes up next and so it's a continual just simply watching and in that is really there's a lot of joy Our, the, the sky mind itself is very joyful very happy um, uh, fairly content there's no longer chasing oh I like that cloud over here I want this cloud over here because the, the sky understands that the clouds are clouds they're just passing through and when we can understand that and realize that we don't control the clouds we don't control the movie we're just part of this and actually freeze is very very freeing and you begin to understand what you really can sort of control and not control in your life on a daily basis and we've been popping in between like we call the relative world and the absolute world kind of a situation within the mind but does Zen practice or mindfulness practice is very very practical you know when it's time to wash the dishes you wash the dishes when it's time to walk you walk uh, there's an old saying um, when walking walk you know when uh, sleeping sleep just don't wobble and the wobbling is being indecisive is being judging okay I mean, did you ever notice I know most of us probably experienced this in junior high or high school you're walking by a group of people and they're giggling and some all of a sudden you feel like you can't walk very good yeah <laughs> okay. yeah yeah uh, hey we've walked all the time but also right. now we can't now seem to walk turn into a klutz yeah you know yeah, yeah. and then we start becoming afraid that we'll stumble yeah. in front of them and, and they'll laugh at us and you're wobbling <laughs> the mind has become split and um, you, you begin to wobble and so Zen is the mindfulness practice just allows us to be present with what it is without the wobble regardless of what's going on so the wobble could be a fear of what other people might say about us mm -hmm. it could be thinking about some point in the future that we're trying to get to mm -hmm. and um, uh, so more of a pure practice then would be uh, letting that take care of itself uh, when it comes and being instead here now yep say hey I can't walk that's really odd so <laughs> oh, look at those people laughing at me huh? right, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, and I feel like feeling really <laughs> weird but I'll just keep left foot right foot left foot right foot and I have this little saying that I use throughout the day is um, and, I, and I share this with everybody I come in contact with is throughout the day to be mindful as I acknowledge whatever I'm experiencing I go hi you know whatever I'm experiencing whether it's discomfort or comfort hey come watch me relax into whatever I'm doing right now so it's like let's say I'm having some uh, a, a headache today and it's oh hi there headache hey come watch me relax into writing this next report that I have to do uh, and so I'm just I'm acknowledging my current discomfort and, and, and embracing it and bringing it with me that's the non-judgmental non-resistance that's the sky that just watches come with me while I know I refocus on what I need to engage in at this moment I see because otherwise we're, we're forgiving into fight or flight it, it, it splits our mind we're trying to get yeah. away from the situation either through fight or flight and uh, I have a, a fun lady I've been working with for a while I, I can't I'm gonna give you all the details but she's got some bad pain and so she, she named her pain 
So I'll use I'll use uh, Bill. She goes, "Hi, Bill. Come watch me. Relax into driving to the grocery store." So she actually calls it a name, so it begins to separate that out a little bit too, and allows her to be more and more aware of what Bill is doing throughout the day. I see. And she goes, "It's really amazing how Bill ceases to bother her as much." Yeah. Because now she just brings Bill with her, and she's not fighting Bill. She's not trying to run from Bill. She says, oh, okay, come on, Bill. So some people will try to push away fear yep. only to have the fear become stronger. Exactly. You're and then the fear will come out later in its raw, unprocessed, animalistic form and almost possess them yep. with panic Yep. because they keep pushing it away, pushing it away. And sometimes that happens with anger. Yep. Happens with all of our emotions, all of our transient phenomenon. I, I, I read about this quite a bit. Um, is a, please don't feed the bears. If you think of a very simple story about grizzly bears, if you come across a bear in the woods, you don't fight or run. Because either way, you fight the bear, you lose. Bear eats you, bear gets fat, brings it out, you know, becomes a feeding frenzy. If you run from the bear, you invoke the attack. Right. So your basic fight or flight, uh, you feed the bears. Yeah. You know? And so if you start feeding anxiety, anxiety eventually brings along maybe um, depression, it brings along maybe uh, some more pot smoking, and bring, you know, it keeps feeding, your life starts to tumble. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you learn how to play dead, mindfulness is a great way to play dead. It's simply, ah. to, simply to be present and observe what is happening. And so just come back and be present. Okay, yeah, I feel like crap right now. <laughs> okay, that's okay. It's okay to feel like this. Just observe it, because eventually the bears will leave. I see. Bears don't hang out forever. So, by inviting your pain to come with you and Mm -hmm. come participate in what you're going to do, Mm -hmm. uh, the pain becomes less important? Yeah, you reduce your suffering. There's a a separation between... It does become less important. you're managing your response differently. You're not fighting or running, you're responding uh, through a mindful um, activity, but you're reducing your suffering. Um, you have pain, whether it's a physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, and there's also the suffering that goes with that. And the suffering comes about through resistance, a fight or flight. There's an uh, algebraic equation that I use. I, I learned it from a fellow years and years ago. It's called pain times resistance equals suffering. And it's P times R equals S. So if you take on a scale of zero to 10, if your pain is a five, and you resist at a five, so now we have five times five, where your suffering is 25, you're off the scale. But if you take your resistance and make it zero, so you've got five pain times zero resistance, you have now zero suffering. I see. Pain is inevitable, but the suffering is optional. Okay. And mindfulness allows us to see the options. And allows us to bring the pain, the discomfort with us, and then that's okay. We're going to bring it with us while we're engaging. It's amazing how people suffering, the anxieties, depressions, all these things really begin to cease to be the bother. Uh, in many ways, you actually begin to see them as, as um, to switch analogies, you, you see them as scabs of healing. I see. They were there to actually help you heal. They become allies. And we just don't want to pick them. 
You don't right. Want, you want to feed the bears. You want to pick the scabs. Whatever analogy you want to so use. So you kind of learn to bring your fear with you. Right. And to participate in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's no need to uh, peel it back and look at what you're afraid of. Oh. Um, and there's no reason to try to ignore it and push it away and pretend like it doesn't exist. Right. And you have to acknowledge its existence because it's here. Otherwise, you're in denial. And going back to a martial arts thing, if I have somebody coming after me to hit me in the head with a hammer, I have to acknowledge that this is a reality. Yep. And if I fight or run, I'm going to get hit. If I try to pull back from somebody who's trying to hit me with a hammer, the hammer is pretty long, and I'm going to get hit with the hammer. Right. If I try to fight somebody, I'm going to create more violence, and my odds are pretty slim. But if I train myself in a response of learning how to, to work with that energy, there's a whole lot of different ways of doing this, I can actually use the energy of that hammer coming at me and use the energy of the attack for my benefit. So that's when I go, hi there, you know, pain, come with me. I'm entering in. I'm engaging my opponent. And like almost like in judo or aikido, which are, are, are arts that really engage. Even in karate, we learn to engage through softness and, um, and interact and take the energy and use it. So actually the, 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 the pain, the attacker, actually um, hurts themselves. And so when we bring the pain with us, you know, we're acknowledging it, we brace it, bring it with us, we're using its energy while we focus on getting something productive and constructive done. And we start to feel better. So uh, more or less a Tai Chi approach to fear then mm-hmm. would be to invite it to accompany you as you move toward safety. Exactly. And then it becomes your friend to guide you rather than something to be resisted exactly as a young man i used to have panic attacks and they hey uh, i was about age of 15 16 they put me on valium and uh, stelazine yeah i know <laughs> pretty powerful medication and i realized at a young age i was just starting my martial arts career at that time that this wasn't right this there was something wrong about this i was just medicated i was just sort of a zombie i wasn't mm-hmm. very functional until I, um, I, I, I learned how to, I picked up a book on hypnosis actually, and uh, learned how to um, engage my discomfort. And then got into meditation and um, learned how to use all this stuff. And the martial arts helped me identify things, external attacks, internal attacks. There's no difference. Just have to find out, I have to train myself in a new response and not reactivity. And so my anxiety became my ally. So now when I get anxious, I go, oh, hi there, anxiety. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate you alerting me to them not paying attention to my life well enough, good enough. I see. And the anxiety is cueing me into, you know, hey, there's something. You're not, you know, you're, you're, you're not being mindful enough. You're, you're being too judgmental. So the anxiety is showing me my, the, that I'm falling off my, my road going nowhere. I see. And so I'm learning to use the anxiety, using my depression, using my discomfort as a, a as again as a, as a, an ally in healing, an ally in being awake and alert. So this, they're not a bad thing to have. It's it's a, uh, once I stop feeding my anxiety, stop feeding my panic. I, that's the only time I could see that there was an ally. There was a messenger at my door telling me my house was on fire. 
too many times we tend to shoot the messenger and go back in the house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While the house burns down. I got a lot of lot of analogies, but um, but that's one I use a lot. I mean, the the pain that comes up, whether it's chronic pain, again, the anxiety, depression. These are messengers on your door telling you there's something wrong, and we keep trying to shoot the messenger while our house is burning down. And they're just trying to help us get out of the house. And so if we learn to use that, oh, hi there, you know, neighbor depression. Oh, my house is burning down. Oh, okay, I'll come with you. Come with, you know, you're going to go with it. And where am I going to go now? What's the next step? I see. So we're being aware and alert of what is going on. So when we get these, these um, uncomfortable emotions, they're a sign that, oh, I need to pay attention. They help us wake up. I see. And mindfulness is simply about being awake and alert. It's not about really getting anything or going anywhere. It's just being awake to what is happening and being able to function within that awakeness. And um, So how do you deal with uh, shame? Just another emotion, another bear. Well, either shame. Come watch me. Whatever you are in control of. Whether you're doing a therapeutic technique or going for an exercise or exploring shame. Hi there, shame. Come watch me explore you. Does this type of mindfulness practice help to improve your relationships? Oh, big time. Big time. Can you explain how that might take place? Oh, just again, just being awake and alert of, you know, of how you relate to another human being and recognizing that a person you're in a relationship with in many ways is your shadow, especially those things that you don't like about yourself. You actually see it in your spouse or your partner. And, um, and so once you become aware of that, that this person is simply a mirror of your inner self, that you're not really seeing your partner, you're seeing your own mind, Ah. then it releases you because now you're seeing your preferences. You're not seeing your partner as they are, you're seeing them as you think they are or want them to be I see so you're seeing them so through then a, they become a player in your own inner movie rather than in an actual relationship exactly with another person yeah you're looking at them through a role you've created for them rather than them themselves as I they see. are and as you, as that you free yourself up from that, you free your, yourself up from overreactivity to what they may say to you. Uh, it allows you to um, speak in a more calm fashion. And um, or you know, it doesn't mean that you don't have you know, you know disagreements, uh, but you'll be aware of the disagreements if they're going to go out of control, they're yeah. going to back down. You learn to regulate your behavior better. So you see the the movies in your head then as more of a movie mm -hmm. as opposed to reality yeah you're seeing that person and as just having that little bit of detachment helps you to stay more engaged mm -hmm. in the moment yes instead of less engaged and remote and off on some mountaintop somewhere yep if you're right there with them and that person that place and it's very freeing you know, good. you know, you're not, again, it's just, it, it helps a lot with relationships. And so there's ways, there's different things, you know, you can do therapeutically to help somebody improve those things, certain things, you know, I have, I've had couples do over the years, you know, um, to help engage that relationship. And, um, yeah, it, it helps. 
again, of the ability to see is the most important thing. The awakeness. And that's what mindfulness is about, is about awakening you to reality, getting you out of the movie that's running through your head. Being aware of the movie, and that and you can step out of the theater and deal in reality. And that, that is so important. That's all it does. Once you're outside the movie, you'll know what to do. That's where the faith comes in. You have to have faith that when you walk out of the movie, because many of us love our movies. Yeah, we think that if we're not there to participate and comb and, yeah. and steer, that everything's going to go wrong. Go wrong. But yet, once you step outside the movie, it's like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who I am. <laughs> but this is fun. So a certain mm -hmm. amount of faith is letting the movie take care of itself rather than thinking that you have to participate in every aspect of... Uh, of it all. Yes, exactly. Movie will run itself. Life runs itself. And that's what you mean by faith. That's right, by faith. Just letting things be as they are. Okay. If, if you need to make a change, you make a change. You know, if you see, you know, uh, somebody on the side of the road from a car accident, well, you go help. There you go. I mean, it's a really simple kind of thing. It's, 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 but it helps you be awake. Very good. You know? And so, and so these are some of the things, and mindfulness is very, very um, therapeutic uh, in many ways, but it's, it's a very strong, again, spiritual tradition to help us see life and, and gain more joyfulness from life. To see that we are, our inner nature itself is joyfulness. And we've just covered, we just haven't been paying attention to that. Yeah, it gets covered up by all of the uh, thinking that we have to do this and this and this right. and then we'll be happy. Exactly. Instead of just being happy. Yeah. And as long as we stop, you know, part of it is as long as we don't make, many people try to sit and meditate to get happy. And, and that's, <laughs> that's getfulness. And so, but it takes a while, but it's okay to still start practicing so you can begin to see where you're getful. I see. You know, if you never start, you'll never understand where these pitfalls are, where these road signs are really helping you. You have to be aware of them. And oh, trust me, I was chasing after experiences after experience. I mean, I've had lights go off in my head, and you have different experiences that are really groovy. I mean, it's almost like, wow. You know, it's almost like a drug. And you start chasing after those, and you forget about being mindful. I see. You know, and so you find many people are out there chase, using meditation to chase experiences. And again, that's just feeding the bears. You're trying to run away from this reality or in that problem. Um, you're still caught up in fight or flight. You're not being present where you are. So, yeah, some people do try to attain particular meditative states, mm -hmm. almost like they're going on some kind of a trip to Europe or... Yeah. Uh, and Buddha went through all that. He was, you know, before he became a Buddha, you know, he was, he was an ascetic in India. I mean, the guy did all the yoga stuff. He, he fasted. He, uh, the Hindu belief was if you weaken the body enough, the spirit will soar. But the problem is with the body weakens. You have to strengthen the body <laughs> to keep the, you know, from dying. And then your spirit decreases. And he said, there's something wrong here. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work. And so he just, he, he learned about the middle path. Yeah. And he, you know, he woke up to the middle path. And it's about having, again, good balance. But it's about um, not, not, not running and fighting, not chasing after experiences, after all the stuff. Just be here. And 
I could talk more and more, but the middle path is really about walking that narrow road or like a razor's edge. So by the middle path, mm -hmm. can you give me an example of what's on one side and what's on the other? Oh, just preferences. You know, preferences and reactivity. Chasing after what we like and trying to avoiding what we dislike. And that takes you off the road. And so you have to, you know, it's just like lines on a road. When we're driving down a road, we have lines. And our, our, our job is to stay in that road. Mindfulness is a lot about staying on this road. I see. Okay. Sometimes it's okay to go off the road, but you, can, you always got to come back to the road. Sometimes it's okay for your mind to wander, to catch some scenery, but you're always checking with the road. So this is a different type of driving the car. Mm -hmm. This is not allowing the fantasies to draw you in, mm -hmm. and this is not participating in a particular plan and working on that plan. Mm -hmm. This is more uh, being the observer mm -hmm. and uh, allowing yourself to be present in the moment mm -hmm. uh, rather than trying to accomplish something. Yeah, because as, as you're being in the moment, as you're here, as you're staying on the road, going nowhere, pure joy shows up. Your pure nature is already here. There's no place you have to go to get it. This happiness you're searching out there, off the road, is actually right here on the road. So it's, once it's the you observer. <laughs> succeed at getting out of your own way, mm -hmm. the joy comes. Yeah, it's already here. It's already always here. It's just covered up. By all of the striving this, and angsting and... Yep. All the preferences, the craving, the desire for this or that, the delusion that over there is better, or this, if I only could get that degree or have that kind of man or woman in my life, life would be perfect. And that's such an illusion. And uh, as we learn to be present within ourselves, be here, the pure joy shows up. Okay. All, the, the all this stuff that we've... Um, sort of like a diamond that's been covered up with mud and um, the pure diamond shines when the mud has fallen off so rather than scraping the mud off we're just going to stare at the mud until the diamond is all that's left yep mud will eventually fall off i see yeah and yeah and you can feel this in meditation and in, in mindfulness meditation it's um uh, to me, it almost feels like um, sand sifting through my body. Everything is releasing. And it's just like, boom, ooh, this feels really good. But if I chase after that, it'll never happen. Ah. <laughs> well, these are, these are very obscure uh, sounding uh, things that we've been saying here, Dave. Um, I know, I know. I sound like a crazy man someday. So again, this is uh, uh, John Ewing with Spirit Lake Wellness, and we're about to wrap it up here. Uh, so we've been discussing with Dave Nelson the seven pitfalls of mindfulness, one of which is getfulness, to try to be trying to get something out of your mindfulness. Mm -hmm. The second is a lack of support not being around people that are uh, uh, of a like mind and trying to 
uh, also become mindful. Lack of daily effort. These things take practice. Mm -hmm. Many, many repetitions. Thinking that you are going somewhere. Mm -hmm. Thinking that there is somewhere to go. A lack of faith as opposed to rec the recognition that everything is okay. Everything is as it should be. And that the, uh, the routine part of your mind will attend to the details that need to be tended to without you getting caught up in some sort of struggle. Mm -hmm. And the, I know that. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is quite, uh, quite different from what we're led to believe in modern life. Uh, in the age of movies and ever more entertainment and ever more material goods to chase after. Thank you very much for being with us, Dave.